0: Hot summer days bring out that carefree fun, just like a caramel ribbon
1: crunch frappuccino. It's icy smooth with layers of caramel and whipped cream, all with a crunchy caramel sugar topping. Your happy is here at Starbucks. Order ahead on the app.
0: takes. So, two in the net for Everton, and neither counts. Burley coming forward. The ball's been taken slightly further back, and is complaining about that. Well, that makes a change. Sheeney again goes for the other side. Brilliant! Absolutely brilliant! Not an earthly for Paul Cooper. In taking free kicks by Kevin OK, Kev, well, you signed from Liverpool in 1982. Um, now, modern-day younger fans, shall, shall I put it that way, would would frown upon that that sort of thing, I think, and it would it'd raise a bit of fuss across the city. Back then, was it still the same sort of thing? Because you haven't really established yourself at Liverpool, but it's still somebody crossing the park to play for Everton from Liverpool. Was there still a big furore about it?
1: Yeah, there was. I mean, it was a a brave move from myself. I mean, I always had uh, belief and confidence in my ability. Um, So having spent four seasons at at Liverpool, not really making the breakthrough, um, I used to go and watch Everton midweek games at at Goodison. Uh, So I knew the uh, the atmosphere, knew the supporters, how demanding they were. I uh, saw the team that Howard was putting together, Sharpie making his debut, Kevin Ratcliffe, Adrian Heath. Um, so when my contract ran out, um, I was able to decide and choose where I wanted to go, which Liverpool didn't really want. They wanted to choose to send me to a team that probably I wouldn't do so well with. Uh, but the ball was then back in my court. Um, I had no hesitation in signing for Everton. I knew exactly what I was coming into. Um, I knew Howard Kendall was a, was a great player, and he was, you know, building a side there. So uh, it, was, it was an easy decision for me to make. Um, I knew the area well. I loved living in Liverpool, um, so it was, uh, it was easy. I say, real easy decision for me.
0: The way Liverpool were with you at the start when you you, said your intentions were to go across the city to Everton. I mean, them wanting to choose your next destination sounds to me like, well, if it's not with us, then we don't want it to be with anybody else decent. I mean, quite clearly they recognised your talent before before they decided saying that sort of thing to you.
1: Yeah, I remember... um season or two before the end of my contract uh, Blackpool came in for me and they were in the fourth division and there was no way, no disrespect to them there was no way I was going there but they were trying to Liverpool were trying to push me to go there um, and a couple of other clubs I think Derby were in the first division and they came in for me but Liverpool wouldn't let me go there so it's not like these days where players are more in the driving seat in those days when you signed a four-year contract um, you had to buy by unless they wanted to sell you uh, so when my contract ran up um it's funny. I I've still got the the offer of another contract from Liverpool, which they had to do in order to get the the transfer fee for me. So they spent, they bought me for a hundred thousand from Her- from Hereford. Uh, they got a hundred thousand for me, uh, but f- most importantly for me, uh, even though I didn't make too many games at Liverpool, uh, training with world class players day in day out, the likes of Kenny Dalglish, Alan Hansen, Graeme Souness, Terry Mack. The list goes on. Um, you can only become a better player. So uh, when I left Liverpool, even though I uh, hadn't played many first team games, I played in. Really good uh, reserve team. We won the Central League four years on the trot, and it was proper games in those days. Where if you weren't in the first team, uh, you played in the reserves. So if the, our first team were playing West Brom uh, at the Hawthorns, uh, we'd play uh, West Brom reserves three o'clock kick off on a Saturday at Anfield, and in, and the same thing. The players that weren't in their first team played. So it was the the gap between the reserves and first team wasn't the the wide margin that it is now.
0: Mm. I mean, it sounds like they. Had a lot of reluctance in letting you go. I mean, it, it, I suppose nowadays they they wouldn't even consider it in terms of they needed the squad. They would need the squad now, obviously seven subs and that sort of thing. But back then, obviously with the one substitute was yes, it was, it was, the yes, one it was last yeah, time, yeah, it? yeah. I mean, that that it's almost like a do or die type of situation with them, isn't it? It's like, well, we recognise we've got this really good talent on our hands, but he's not going to get near the the twelve, so we need to find way to move him on that won't won't affect us in That's the future. It, yeah. and, as as history will tell, I mean you you become a real thorn in their side. Um, what do you remember of Goodison when when you first experienced it? You mentioned going there when you were still at Liverpool as a crowd. I mean they weren't the best of times for Everton after a little bit of a period in the early seventies where things looked like they were going to be great. Cataracts sort of coming towards the end of things, and it was it was a bit of a, a bit of a stagnant period for Everton in terms of well success. How did you view it on on the sidelines before you ended up going there?
1: um well as i say i I saw the players that um that Howard w- was bringing into the team um It was just goodison Park um having played in all the reserve games at different venues you know um it was just something about Goodison Park it was just something about the supporters and even though the side wasn 't doing great at the time, I could just tell the the passion from them um which which was a you know a big key for me, but also as I say, a lot of young players coming through um Howard Kendall, the manager. Um, and I knew it was massive, uh, going back to the question, I it was massive pressure on me because I was only the second player at the time to, to move across the park, Johnny Morrissey being the first. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I knew that uh, Evertonians would be thinking, well, if he's not good enough for Liverpool, why, why should he be good enough for me? And I knew I had to hit the ground running. Um, you know, worked hard every pre season, but particularly my first pre season, pre-season, worked really hard, um, scored a few goals in pre season. So, um, as I say, the first few games um, I, I performed well, particularly at Goodison. Um, and I think when the, the sport is over, I scored a, one of my early goals against Tottenham at home. Uh, we beat them. Um, so I, initially, I, I made a real good start to Everton, which I needed to do. And uh, so the pressure
0: was off me in the, in the respect that they, they knew I was a good player. You mentioned the players that were already there. You had a young Sharp, you had Adrian Heath, you had others coming through as well. Did you feel as if something was brewing when when you turned up at, at Everton and thought, well, this is a real sort of special in terms of potential Group of players that we could really go on and do something if we if we stick together and go about it the right way, particularly with Howard at the helm as well. Indeed, I mean, it's you
1: you can tell in training the the quality of the training. So some of the players I mentioned, it was Trevor Stephen, um, big Nevin goal, um, you know, and it was like the. Howard was ahead of his time in, in in terms of the the training that we did. Everything was with the ball. Um, he didn't you know run the legs off you Monday to Friday, so you weren't fresh for the Saturday, um, and and everything just gelled. But it was just like the performances and the the, the results weren't great initially. Uh, but when we went back to the training ground Monday to Friday, you could tell you know Nevin trained in shoot finishing sessions. He was unbelievable. You had to put it right in the top corner to beat him, and even if you did that, he'd manage to get a fingertip and tip it over the bar. Uh, so he, he personally. He, he made me into a better finisher because, you know, that's what you need to to, to help your, your techniques. Um, and just right the way through the team, Kevin Ratcliffe uh, defensively, uh, John Bailey big character, Gary Stevens was an absolute athlete Trevor Stevens as I mentioned. So the uh, the team was gelling Paul Bracewell um, Sharpie and Inchino, it was all you know, we had a great camaraderie um, and it was slowly building, um, you know, but fortunately uh, the, the so Philip Carter gave Howard that extra little bit of time that he needed mm. to, to
0: get the results. Um, and then, you know, we didn't look back. And you look at the attendances. I was looking, doing the research on your games, about the the support you had at Goodison and uh, talking to Sharpie when he when he did his one, he was talking about how, you know, our crowd had never been shy in giving everybody their an opinion. And he said the, the problem was when, when not many people turned up, you could actually identify individuals who were saying these things to you on the stands. They, they were ruthless, um, but you know, both ways, don't, both ways yeah. because you, you can't have it
1: just one way you know they're, they're right behind you when, when you're doing well but if you're not doing well they certainly let you know and you've got to be you've got to be tough mentally um a lot of I see a lot of young players who have got all the ability but if they're weak mentally it is difficult for them to to survive at at any level particularly the top level because you're not going to go out and play great every game you're going to have games where you're not doing well and the supporters is going to be telling you you're not doing well and if you haven't got that mental strength and, and belief in your your ability then I see a lot of players you know fall fall by the wayside so um so as i say um i've always been mentally tough um Again, back my Liverpool days because I wasn't playing the first team again. That toughened me up mentally as well. So I was, I was, I was, I was geared up to be, be an Everton player. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there was loads of times, as I say, I didn't have great games, but I was fortunate. I was able to create a goal, score a goal. Um, so Howard had great belief in my ability that I was able to do
0: something. Mm-hmm. So more times than not, he'd leave me on the pitch. And being such a young side as well, when when you, you turned up and and what Howard was building. I mean, it must have been an incredible adventure for all of you. You mentioned that camaraderie. That's how it all comes together, isn't it? Because you you're experiencing these new things as players for the first time. You got Sharpie coming from somewhere like Dumbarton and you know, it's it's arriving at the the big stage all at the same time. So it gives you that general feeling of togetherness. And one of the things Sharpie also said was about leaders. Everybody was a leader because I mean, you'd have some scraps at half time if somebody wasn't pulling the weight, if somebody wasn't playing so well. It's a far cry from what we see now. I mean, it's a big thing for Evertonians now, lack of leaders perhaps in the team. But back then it was just full from one to 11 of leaders.
1: Indeed. And, you know, it was it was easy, easy for, for Howard, he could just concentrate on the football, because if somebody wasn't doing somebody else, is, uh, as Sharp would say, would tell you, um, you didn't need the manager to give you a rocket, you know, you got it from your own players sort of thing. But we had the utmost respect for each other, and it was an, another way, again, of getting the best out of the players. And, you know, you don't know at the time when you, when you sign and you're meeting all new players that, you know, when you finish playing, you, you're going to be great mates for the rest of your life. You know, we had such a great time on and off the pitch, uh, great success. And, you know, we, we still meet up and still have, you know, tell the same jokes and have the same laughs about different things. And it's, it's just great. So, you know, it was just um, the the training grounds. So I'd gone from Melwood, which was, it was, it was a great training ground, to Belfield, which was a brilliant training ground. And it was just, you know, it was only a small family. Uh, there a couple of groundsmen, uh, Mary, uh, Lynn, you know, did the... the 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 meals and that, and it was just a real, you know, brilliant place to go. You loved going in there, you were never late, you were always in real early to have a cup of coffee, a piece of toast before training, have a crack with the lads, um, and then have lunch afterwards, and you weren't in a rush to go away. So, you know, looking back, it was
0: just, uh, it was fantastic times. You could see that, I mean, I'll too cheesy, you see those values that people sort of cherish now about the club, that that sounds exactly where they stem from all all of those days. Um, Before we get into your games, just a simple question, really, what does Goodison mean to you as a place?
1: It just it gives you a tingle every time I go there. It's just, you know, you sort of... When the atmosphere, say, like the Derby game and the, the Chelsea game recently, that's what Goodison's all about. I mean, one of the games I'll go on to by Munich. I mean, it just can generate that sort of atmosphere and it's, it's just um, it's just proper Evertonians, you know, and it's, it's, as I say, they get right behind the team when there's a good team and they're giving it their best and they, they get that extra... Bit out of you, I know some people say like the twelfth man, it's the twelfth, thirteenth man. When when they're 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 seeing and they're liking what they're seeing, then there's no better support in any anywhere.
0: Brilliant. Uh, one of your th- well, your first game. I've sort of don't try to keep it in chronological order because they sort of build upon each other. It's sequentially. I mean, you look at you've chosen obviously United, Ipswich, and, and the buying game, which all culminate at the end of that season. Um, your, your first one, United five nil, and and many Evertonians of a certain age will. I'll remember this probably as the complete performance from an Everton side, that that fantastic side in in, in 84, 84, 85 and um, you know, what's your thinking behind choosing this? Is it the fact that you scored a header goal and, and perhaps a rarity for you with that subliminal left foot that you've got, or was was it just the manner of the performance and, and the victory against the side that, well, as we know, is Man United? I think it was just the fact that everything fell into place on the day.
1: The atmosphere was was proper good as an atmosphere. It was unbelievable. Uh, United were a good team. The United Brian Robson, Ken Moran, Jess uh, Jesper Olsen. Um, you know the, all the top the top players, and they they were getting touted as the the, the winners of the league champions sort of thing. Uh, so it was a big test for us. And uh, I wish I could have got the the video of of that game because it was like. We beat them five nil. They got out of jail five nil. We absolutely annihilated them. It could have been eight or nine, and that wouldn't have been, you know, taking the mickey. Uh, we just everybody from from Nev right the way through performed to the the, the levels that we were able to. Um, and sort of after the game, that's when I looked, sat down in the dressing room, looked around, and thought we've got a good team here now, and that was the you know. So I picked that game because of the performance, obviously. Uh, a rarity for me, as you say, a header uh, from the edge of the box, um, and everyone who saw me play knew I wasn't great in the <laughs> air, and it was just it was just a bizarre incident where Gary Stevens has crossed the ball. I've gone on the edge of the box. I would have no chance. I'd probably one out of a hundred of sc- of scoring with my head. And uh, the next thing I, I'm on the floor, and I just see the ball's rocketed right into Gary Bailey's top corner. Um, I had to go off with st- had four stitches, uh, but it was only until later on after the game that someone that said that. Um, Kevin Moran had um, he, he couldn't get to the ball, and his way of putting me off was to head but the back of my head, um, and that's what generated the power right into the top corner. Kevin got an uh, assist then. <laughs> that was yeah, And Kevin got stretched off uh, with concussion, uh, went to hospital. And when I caught up with him because good mates with him, we played for the Republic yeah, yeah. of Ireland, and I said to him, "What were you doing?" He just said, "Well, I was just trying to put you off, sort of thing." So in, in modern day, I don't think I'd probably been allowed to come back on, yeah, but it yeah. went off. Uh, had four stitches, uh, so Philip Carter came down to see how I was. And uh, you know, once the Doc Irvin had put the four stitch in, straight back down the tunnel, straight back on the pitch. And I'd been on the pitch about another five, six minutes. And, and Adrian Heath released me, and I scored another goal, sort of thing. So it was just um, just a whole atmosphere. But it, it's looking back, I think that was really
0: kick started us uh, to propel us to, to where we got to eventually. Just going back to the header, I mean, what's in your mind when that ball comes over is, is just fling yourself out of it, get what you can on the ball. Put it towards goal. I mean, because obviously, with you saying you're not a natural header of the ball, I mean, if that if that's a, a Sharpie and Andy Gray in the middle, they're probably preempting what's going to happen when the ball comes over. But for yourself, as a, a different thought process about when that ball's spinning over towards you. Indeed,
1: if it's a bit lower, anything lower, I'm going to volley it because <laughs> I, that was my forte. I, I, I wouldn't even need to think about it. But it was just a height where I wasn't even leaving to, to chest it to get a volley. So I've just sort of gone to the ball, as I say, uh, gone to head it and uh, the next thing's in the back of the net. Mm. So, um, so, yeah, no, br- brilliant memories. And, uh, you know, that was uh, the start of, uh,
0: of us really propelling us. Well, it was. I mean, it was, I think it was only 12 games into the season. It was October. Obviously, we had the Cup success the year before. Did that feel as if it was Everton announcing themselves on the scene as genuine contenders for the top? Because you, when you first come, it was a couple of seasons, to finish seventh. Um, it, obviously, we mentioned there it felt like something was building under Howard with the players that he brought in and everybody, that Cam Rasmussen you mentioned. Um, was that a, a big statement of, of belief inside yourselves that you've just knocked off one of the big boys at a canter? And like you say, it should have been a hell of a lot more. Indeed, yes. And I think that's it, it,
1: football's all about confidence and it gave the players... The, the confidence and the belief that that we were able to on the day take any team in the league apart, uh, which we did. So, um, so yeah, it, w- it was a, it was a massive game for us. Obviously, we'd, as you mentioned, we'd won the cup the, the year before, uh, but to win the cup, obviously, there's not as many games. If you win the league, the best team always wins the league. not you know, the, the, there's no luck about winning the league. You know, mm-hmm. you have your you, you have your decisions for you and against you right the way through the season. But at the end of the day. Uh, whoever wins the league is is the best team, and certainly that was uh, a,
0: a big moment in us going on to win the league. I mean, if you do get a chance to look at the highlights on YouTube, the, the game, it, it's good to see rocking to its core once again, isn't it? You mentioned that when the, when they're fully behind you, but everyone in attendance must have realised they're watching something special there. And 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 to hear yourself, and Sharpie, everybody else we talked to about that day being a, a definitive performance in in that era, really. I think you know there's. There's you mentioned Bayern's one of the other games that we're going to go to in a bit, but they they are the moments that you remember most pertinently At Goodison, don't you? Over the years, the ones that really stick out that we've that that sort of thing is where your whole your holders you hold a hallmark in in the uh, in the history of the football club. I mean, it was such a magnificent performance, and you, you talk about the, the belief and the confidence that that stem from that. Um did you aware were you aware at the time that it was? Such a special time for the club. Did you? Were you look at each other, thinking, "Hang on, this is this is something else. This I've never experienced this before," or did it just feel like a normal thing that comes to you quite naturally?
1: I don't think you think about it too much. I think you, you sort of you, you play the game. So we beat Man United five nil. Uh, you go out. So you, you go out for a drink, you go out for a meal, um, you have Sunday off and you come back in Monday, Monday and you're off for the next game then. So I think you, as, as footballers, you don't look behind you, you put, you've, you've done that, and it, yeah. but then you look into the next game, you look into the next game. I don't know whether you had a midweek game or whether there was a, you know, but you just always, and when you, you're doing well, the games come thick and fast, so you haven't got time to, to look ponder on what's happened, it's, it's, it's what you're going to do next. And it's always, and that is football, it's what you're going to do next.
0: People mm-hmm. only remember the last game, but it's what you're going to do in the future. Well, it, it's interesting when you compare it to nowadays because everybody talks about having targets at the start of the season. They talk about, uh, is the target getting into the top four? Is it winning the league? Is it Champions League for different various teams? Is it staying in the division? I get the impression back then there wasn't much of that sort of talk or, or feeling about football clubs, given the fact that It was so competitive and and there were a lot of teams vying for for titles at the time that it was just, let's get on with it and see where we finish rather than having a a points total in your mind or Howard's before games probably never even addressed what it could do if we were to win the game and stuff. It was just a case of getting on with the the task at hand.
1: Yeah, indeed, absolutely. Just the next game. Um, I think you can put too much in people's heads sort of thing. I think football's a simple game. Uh, You don't need to complicate it or confuse it. Win your next game and see what happens and then win your next game and see what happens and, and just take it like that. You I, I, you know, you can't put a point, points tally in front of anybody. Yeah, you want to, well, if you, if you think you're good enough to get in the top four, then you should be thinking you're good enough to win the league, not top four. Um, maybe that's what, Tottenham's got at the moment, with so I think they think they're happy to get into the top mm-hmm. four. Well, with the squad, the players they've got, they should have the belief that they, well, if we get in the top four, we, we can win this. Um, so I think sometimes you can um, take the pressure off players by taking away what they probably could achieve. So if you're saying, if you put the pressure on me you can win the league then go for it but don't say just finish in the top four mm. and be happy with that no it's, it's winning 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 trophies is, is, is the main thing
0: and it's that mentality thing that you, you talk about as well isn't it it's, it's knowing that you're good enough to beat your opponent and having the confidence to, to see it through like I mean in your head, you're probably not turning up thinking we can batter Man United five nil. But when you have that courage and your convictions, you know everybody around you is good enough. It just happens anyway. Nobody has to say anything about it. It's a natural thing that comes to everybody who's playing. It is. You can't just turn it on and turn it off. Um, you can't just go out and put a performance like
1: the Man United ones, for example, every week. It just doesn't happen for some reason. Someone's not not on on the game. Um, and but when you you get in changed before the game. You're looking around at the team that we've got and no disrespect to the opposition, but you knew if we played to 70% of our ability, we'd win today. Obviously, the better the teams, you'd have to perform at a higher level. Um, so I think we just had generally, the, 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 the group of players were, were strong mentally and they were all winners, even in training. Nobody wanted to get beaten five-a-sides. It was just like, everybody was like, Wanting to come off winning, whatever you, you you're performing, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm not a believer in being a good loser.
0: Uh, it's winning is everything. Yeah, and and then, you know, the, the attendances that season start to pick up. It, they go along the trajectory of how well the club's doing, and one one of the things I think you you could really take from that time, Kev, is that you, you talk about Goodison, the fans being there, um, at both extremes really they'll let you know if you're not playing well, they'll be the the 12th, 13th, 14th man. If you are playing well. Did you really start to notice that? Do it. It was an entity that you could start calling upon if you weren't doing so well in games. So, you know, if the, if it was a tight game, for instance, the crowd would really get up for it and and sort of speed you on to to get the the winner.
1: Indeed, I mean the 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 gates and the the crowd and you know the Gladys Street was the one. I mean, Kevin Ratcliffe was always if he won the toss, he'd always kick the park end first, so that we knew the second half we were going into the the Gladis Street because. Um, that was the 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 best end in football at that time. It was just unbelievable, and it did. I mean, if games were tight, it was always the pressure was on. The, the opposition would be dif- defending deeper and deeper and deeper, uh, and ultimately nine times out of ten, we managed to get the winners sort of thing. So, but it, not just the Gladys, I mean, that we, but just total the total atmosphere uh, did get that that bit extra out of you, and and that helped to to win games.
0: I mean, what was it like scoring a goal at that end when when it's at its peak? It's just. Deafening
1: the noise. It's just, you know, the just the actual the ball at the back of the net and just the eruption of, of the whole the whole ground. Um and it it was just fantastic and it was just um you know, really that's what that's what the game's all about, you know, giving giving the
0: supporters something to, to remember and and a feel good factor. Your second game's one that again, uh, it, it live long in the memory of Evertonians. You've actually named your book after it as well. So good they did it twice. Um and it was later on in that season, FA Cup quarter final against Ipswich at Goodison. We actually do the game 2-2, but everybody will know what I'm about to say, why it was the most memorable game for many people, and indeed yourself, is you, you struck a free kick home in either corner at the, the park end. Um, keeper comes out, handles it outside the box. Tell us the story from then, how how things develop. Um well, I usually, when it was a free kick, I'd, I'd try and get on the ball
1: as quickly as I could to try and gain uh, an advantage. And this was central, wasn't it? This, this was, was the central, the yeah. yeah. It was about 20, 21, 22, 20, 20, just outside <laughs> the box. And um, the wall was not was getting organised by Paul Cooper. So I've just taken the, the free kick quickly. I've whipped it over the wall, left-footed into Paul Cooper's top right-hand corner. treaty
0: takes and scores! No, the referee. I didn't tell him to take it. So two in the
1: net for Everton and neither counts. Anyway, the referee's disallowed it. So um, I get the ball back anyway. And I always tell a story, Peter Reeds... You can see him on the video. Yeah, so he's sort of saying to me, I told you not to take it so quickly. And uh, he said, what are we going to do now? Well, Peter's only scored about one goal in his whole career. (laughs) And uh, I can't swear on the radio, but I just said, get out the so-and-so way and I'll put it in the other corner. Um, So...
0: Did you actually say that to him? I said that to him. And...
1: um, the wall was then being organised, and it was—I uh, think it was five or six in the wall—and Paul Cooper was um, organising them. And because he knew I could put the ball right in his top right-hand corner, he's just edged slightly over there, and. I have to laugh because you're know you supposed to get 10 yards on a wall and in those days you've got about 7 or 8 if you were lucky. Everyone creeping forward. Everyone creeping forward. There's no like there is now, the the line. So uh, if you see it, I've managed to be able to
0: move the ball back away from the goal for a yard just to give me a bit more distance to get over the wall. Well, Barry Davis says on the commentary, doesn't he, it, they, they can put the their players were complaining because you pulled the ball back a tiny bit, yeah, which is unusual, obviously, because you want it closer to the goal in Indeed. normal circumstances, yeah.
1: And so I just knew if I could just get it off the over the wall with a bit of bend away from Paul Cooper because he just edged too far to his right. Uh, so I managed to execute it. So as soon as it left my boot, I knew it was in because it was curling away from him. Um, and when it nestled in the in the in the his left hand corner, you know, again, magic moment. The Goodison erupted. Sheedy again
0: goes for the other side. For Paul Cooper, but what a lesson in taking free kicks by Kevin Sheedy.
1: All Evertonians of that era, when they do speak to me, that's that's the goal they remember the most, sort of thing. So uh, you know, it's great to have left magic moments at Goodison. You know obviously uh sometime soon we're going to be moving away and uh you know but it just you know it's just nice to have left you know some great memories both individually and as a team
0: well your technique for that it really interests me because the, the first one you, you actually hammer it don't you with, with a bit of whip on it into that top corner your second one feels a little bit more like a dink than yeah. when you've gone for it because it's all about the placement, isn't it? Because you know he's taking that step to the right. Yeah. You know where the wall is. is sort of probably helps you as a visual aid, really. If you get it over the wall, it goes in. Yeah. Was that what was in your mind when you've gone for the other corner? Because you you don't you don't put your foot through it as much, do you? It's it's
1: having the techniques. I mean. I've practiced because if you've got forty, forty-five thousand people chanting your name of goodison, you better be able to deliver. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, it goes back right the way back to my boyhood when uh, I lived in the country, uh, was born in a pub, and I spent all day kicking the ball against the walls of the pub. And they had, there was different walls. One was the gents' toilet, which I practiced my finishing. Another uh, wall with uh, there was a, one, a window in it, and I bend bend the. I, I'm, Put the window in once, I remember. I was okay with that. My mum and dad didn't mind that. But but I, I was just self-taught. I just practised bending him. Uh, hitting it hard, um, so you know it's practiced most days after training. Um, so I knew the technique needed. It was it, it was to put a bit more pace on it the first one, um, but as I say, once Paul Cooper had moved over, I knew I just really had to not so much pace, but make sure the accuracy over the wall and a bit of bend away from him. And
0: uh, happy day, so I was able to to execute that. Yeah, I mean, it looks phenomenal if you watch it. Just a, off on a bit of a tangent, really. Do you ever look at it nowadays and the type of balls that they use and think? God, I wish I could have one of them back when we played because the movement you can put on them now and they fly. I mean, when, when you're obviously a coach yourself, do you ever have a knock with them and think, oh, I wish I had this back in my day? Indeed.
1: But well, it's funny you should mention that because when we won the league, um, we used a tango and that was similar to the modern balls where it was a bit lighter and you could get loads yeah. of bend on it. And the next season, we ended up with a, a mitre ball for some reason. I mm. said to to the boss why have you changed the ball and it was like we got more money for using this ball I said well we just won the league with this tango you know surely <laughs> that <laughs> was more important out? sort of thing um, but that was that's what it was no but certainly the the balls do move a lot differently now and you know when you see the, the techniques of the free kicks because they're that light of the ball they can sort of like get them up and down a lot quicker, sort of thing. That's so. it.
0: Nowadays, looks like they can. Well, you look at, at David Luiz at Chelsea; mm. he's a master at it, isn't he? Where he, he he almost hit it with his, the side of his yeah, foot yeah. to get that dip on it. Yeah, back then you couldn't have done it with those balls. Not
1: with those balls because they were too heavy, so you wouldn't. You you just had to put your foot right through it, sort of thing. So, um, so yeah, but that's the game's evolved, you know, footwear, the balls, and all that sort of yeah. thing. But certainly, yeah, uh, yeah. So
0: yeah, it must be like playing with a flyaway if you were to it one of those modern day <laughs> ones. Now, um, you, you reel away along the bullens, Um First question, really. What do you say to Peter Reid? The next conversation you have, um, I don't think I, I I don't know whether he could
1: he could catch me actually. But um, <laughs> no, we have we have a we have a laugh about it sort of thing now. Even now, sort of things I do when I do some afternoons stuff and all that to mention that one sort of thing. Like so, yeah. Uh, so yeah. Now was just a just a just a magic moment.
0: Yeah, you must have seen the video. Barry Davis's commentary is just incredible on that. wish uh, he was still around. Now as a commentator, really. But um, for younger Evertonians, get out and watch it because, I mean, it, it is a piece of genius and obviously something you owe really high in your heart in and, and, and terms of your time at Everton. Um, your third and, and most important Goodison moment, I presume, um, not putting words in your mouth, is 24th of April 1985. Bit of an obvious question, but why does this rank amongst anything else? The Bayern Munich game, just because it was the complete
1: atmosphere. The games were mentioned before, the Man United won the atmosphere, but it was a it was a midweek game. Uh, it was absolutely electric. Um, usually we went round um, the back of the Gladys Street on the coach and come out ra- by the reception. You couldn't get round the back. It was just, this was like an hour and a half be- before kick-off sort of thing. You couldn't move, it was rammed. And you just got to, you know, you knew it was going to be a special night. Uh, we had a great draw over in um, in in Germany, uh, so we we were, we fancied our chances, but just actually coming out for the warm up, you know, you could just the the atmosphere was just building, and then when you come out for kick off and you hit the top step and you come out, and it was just like the best atmosphere. I mean, I, I played in the the World Cup quarter final in in Rome against Italy, eighty thousand people, but that was not not the same atmosphere. What was a Goodison, um, and you know all all good Evertonians that were there. They 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 know what 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 I'm saying or what the lads say. It's because it was, and then. Um, it was a tight game loads of challenges going in and um, they've scored just before half time I think it was um, mis-hit it really Nev, I was behind Nev on the line and I've tried to read him and he's he's, he's it, and it's gone in the other corner and you could just hit it, hear a pin drop um, go in half time um, and then we come out and everyone you'll know the famous words Howard mm-hmm. said just just go we're kicking towards the Gladys Street like I mentioned before rats always try to kick for the park end and he just Howard just said that you know, if they'll suck the goals in, just just get the ball, get at them um, and and put pressure on them. And we never really worked on set plays. Howard was all for um, letting the players, you know, so if I was taking corners and free kicks, he'd leave you up, he'd let you make the decisions as in where you're going to deliver. And and, and we never practiced. Gary Stevens got a, a long throw start of the second half. Um, and the ball just bounced in the box. I think it was Andy Gray got the first one. Uh, Sharpie's, sharp, sharpies, sharpies, yeah. sharpies, sharpies cotton onto it um just a, a finished close range um and it would just like lifted the atmosphere that was unbelievable mm. and then five six minutes later another long long throw uh, Andy gray gets on the end of it um, and it was that type of game it was a hustle bustle it was fighting for every ball and we, he got on the end of it and, and from suddenly being one 0 down with two one up Um, and the game's going from end to end. There's going to be a third goal. Um, They'd opened up, they were pushing players forwards. We had a few opportunities, and uh, I remember there's one incident where Andy Gray's gone up for a header with the the centre-half for for Bayern, and I, I think he did. He accidentally... Broke his nose with his elbow, sort of thing. And as the uh, the players get getting treatment, Howard Kendall calls me over, and a few people have said to me, you know, over the years, what's you know, what's what's the boss saying to you? What tactical switch? And uh, he just tell, said, "Tell Sharpie that Scottish so and so to stop running offside." <laughs> so it um, <coughs> was it was quite amusing. But then, about six or seven minutes from the end, I got the ball in the left back position. I mean, um, it's a stunning move. This isn't and. It? The, 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 Waiting for Andy Gray to make to make a run, and I'm getting fifty thousand people shouting "Man on" sort of thing, like you know. But I held my nerve anyway. And when Andy was in a good position, I I, I released him, and he he played a one touch pass to Trevor Stephen. He got through, and Trevor that was Trevor to a tee, great pace, great finisher, and uh, the ball at the back of the net, and it was the game over three one, and that was the the loudest cheer noise I've ever heard in in a football stadium, and it was you know looking back, we'd beaten. You know, one of the best teams in Europe. they went on to win the Bundesliga that year. Um, so you know everyone said that was the final sort of thing. Uh, but just you know just looking back, you still get uh, uh, shivers up talking about that game because you know it was just it was a night we couldn't couldn't get beat. The supporters wouldn't get wouldn't let us get beat as a team, we weren't going to get beaten. It was just everything put together uh, made it you know one of the, the best nights in Goodison's history.
0: Just going back to that that Howard quote at half-time, which all of you have played in that game talk about so fondly, I mean, it's a reflection on him, I think, as a person, and the respect you have for him. I think it's easy to make up, particularly in modern day, to make up these throwaway quotes and things like that, and Mm. people probably just take it for granted, a little bit of lip service and whatnot. But the fact that every one of you to a man genuinely believed in what he said and what the Gladys Street was capable of doing show Shows a reflection of of what it was like to play under him. I presume, indeed. I mean, he, he had total respect for him. I mean, looking back, he
1: was one of Everton's best ever players, uh, Everton's most successful, you know, manager. Um, but he was just—he was never a rant or enraged, you know, uh, shouting at people. He was always calm, cool. He'd make his points, and they were always spot on. And you listen to him, you know, you listen 'cause because because what he was saying was right. Um, and he wouldn't be standing up making. Uh, long speeches and, and, and all this and all that. He'd, he'd, he'd speak to the group as a as a whole and then he'd, 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 he'd work his way around the, the dress room and he'd speak to, to you individually if he felt it was needed and, uh, you know, you took all the information on board.
0: What was your personal relationship like with him? Um, again, just referring to what Sharpie was saying, he said, you know, it wasn't too much of a, you know, we'd be great friends and stuff like that. It was a working relationship mm. and you, you knew what he wanted that from you and you know what you could give him. So it was, a, it, was a, it was a work balance as opposed to somebody you'd ring up and obviously go for a like, game of snooker with in the evening or a game of golf of a weekend. It, it was a working relationship. Was it the same for yourself? It was, but it was total respect. Because,
1: um, as I said before, he had he had 100% belief in me. Um, So, as I said before, you're not always going to play well, and it was games where I wasn't doing great. But he, would, he never entertained substituting me. He'd always leave me on the pitch. Um. As I said before, I could score a free kick, score a goal, create a goal. Um, I remember we played um, Notts County, the quarter final of the FA Cup, and I had a fitness test in the morning on my ankle. And uh, the boss, as he used to call it, "How is it, son?" And I said, uh, "It's killing me a little bit." He said, "But I want to play. It's so the quarter final of the FA Cup." He said, "Okay, we'll strap it up and on you go." So um, it was a game where, uh, well, it got to half time anyway. We nil nil, and uh, he's come up to me, he said, "How is it, son?" I said. After I said if I if I, if I run in a straight line I'm fine I said but if I come off a straight line it's killing me he said we'll just run in straight lines then so, um, <laughs> again something you've never s- seen nowadays no so anyway we got a free kick um, and I took it I think it over the ball if you remember Andy Gray scored the header from mm. about six inches off the mm. off the ground sort of thing and as soon as the ball hit the back of the net um, Howard looked over and brought me off sort of thing you know and that, that was a sort of relationship we had where if I'd done my job, he wanted me on the pitch for as long as I, as long as I could, and uh, you know. So as a player, you can't have any more um, than knowing your managers a hundred hundred plus percent behind you. Um, and it was just you know something that I was fortunate to have some some good managers, but he was the best uh, manager. His man management skills were second to
0: none. I know we're trying to centre this around Gundersen, but we can't ignore the final in in Rotterdam. Um, you talk about Goodison and the effect it has on people and how it was something that really helped you through that second half against Bayern. Did that very much feel like, the, without being too complacent, that the hard task was done getting through that semi? You knew in your head, you're talking about, you knew the Gladys Street were going to get back into it. In the same way, when you went to Rotterdam, did it feel as if you knew you were going to win this game?
1: Well, you had confidence because if he performed the way we can do then we knew we'd be better than them but i think again it comes down to the characters because i remember that the lads sort of saying "You said, don't just think we've got to turn up here we've got to turn up and play we got we can't get beat here and i was as young players it's your first european tournament european final you can't get beat so i think it was in in training leading up to it it was always everyone made sure everyone kept kept on their toes and it was like uh howard was the same you know you don't. You can't just turn up here. You've got to turn up to perform. And if you do that, you'll win. But don't you know be too uh, uh, overconfident, um, which we weren't. I think on the on the night we we performed really well. Um, we had a member. Derek had a goal disallowed, um, and we we got the goals. Trevor scored off um, of a corner. Andy Grace scored off a, a sharpie pass. Um, but they had um, a striker Hans Crankle for them, and he was a, he was a prolific goal scorer. And uh, I used to room with Kevin Ratliff, so I used to bind him up saying, we're going to need to score two or three tonight because I said, he's going to score. He's, he's prolific. He said he ain't scoring sort of thing. <laughs> anyway, 2-0. Um, we think that's it. And then from more or less 5-8 and to Hans Crankle gets a half a chance. And uh, he did what he does. He He scored. Um, but fortunate for us, uh, right from the kick-off, they weren't properly organised. I think they, they were still celebrating a little bit. Um, the the ball got played up the sharpie. Uh, he's laid it off to me perfectly into my path. And uh, their goalkeeper comes sprinting out, and I just knew I just had to lift it over him, uh, which I managed to do. Just went off the unders- underside of the bar, um, 3-1, and that was definitely game over sort of thing. So it was it was great to... To score in a final, uh, but more importantly to to win, um, you know. Again, it was uh, a great moment for for me individually, for the for the team, for the club, and most importantly for the supporters.
0: And when you've when you've taken stock of that, I mean, to this day, it's probably our greatest ever achievement, going on and winning that again at the time. Do you ever stand back and think, "Wow, look what we've gone and done and achieved here as a young group of players"? Indeed, yeah, because
1: as, as I say, you don't you don't set goals and stand. You know what you what you can achieve. You just go out and you just, as a group of players, um, you go out and perform to the best that you can. And it's a joint effort, as I say, it's from the players, the club, the supporters. Everyone's in it together and trying to get the the best out of each other. Mm-hmm. And um, so yeah, no, it was, it was it was great.
0: Now this is <coughs> probably in, in your t- in terms of your time at Everton. This is only halfway through. Um, we go on to to the early nineties and things like that. When when things start to unravel a little bit to so the success that you previously known, the massive thing that happens is, is highs in the European ban. What effect did that have, firstly, on you personally and, and your feelings towards not being able to compete at the, at the highest level with the club, and also your feelings towards what it did to the squad at the time?
1: Well, it was a tragedy. Nobody yeah. ever wants to see that, and it was um, it was horrific. Um, so but just from the on the football side of it it was i mean we we had a team as I say we beaten by munich they were one of the best teams in europe over two legs and the format of the european cup in those was in those days was the same home and away uh, and we had a team certainly that was good enough to win it um but to not to get the opportunity to 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 perform in it uh, was devastating because you know we we won the league we'd won the fa cup when the Cup Winners' Cup, so as a player you want to try and achieve and win as many things as you can. So to have that sort of taken away from us, uh, looking back at the effect that it had on the club, it did have a major effect of you know, players leaving, players coming in, uh, the team breaking up probably too quickly. Um, you know, when you look back, so we didn't really fulfil the potential of that team. I think that's the biggest regret looking back, that we were never able to um, go... And playing in the European Cup against the best teams and 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 show what we could do. So that that that's the biggest regret when you you know when it, when when,
0: it, when your career's finished. And I imagine there was a lot of frustration around Goodison at the time as well. When in league seasons we're not competing at the top end of the league, you must have noticed a marked difference from that to to what you were witnessing around then.
1: Indeed, I mean, um, no disrespect for some of the players that came in, but they weren't a Trevor Stephen, they weren't a Gary Stephen, they weren't a Peter Reid, they weren't an Adrian Heath. Um, you know, so they they were they were decent players, but they weren't to the level. Uh, the 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 level in training wasn't the same as when we had a team in eighty five. It was like the the quality wasn't as, as good as what what it had been. Um, so so it was it was a big real disappointment for for everybody, particularly the supporters, because that's what you support your club for. When you've got a good team, you want to see them perform and compete for as long as they can. And and unfortunately, that didn't happen.
0: And for you personally, I mean, you must have had offers around the time, and and obviously you've talked about the the love of the city, the love of the club. Was it that that kept you your belief in in that things could get better at the time, or was the did, did you feel a sense of frustration yourself around the club? How did you feel around then? It was it was difficult. I mean, um, I'm looking back, and probably if I'd have had an
1: offer to maybe go and play abroad at the latter stages of my my Everton career, I maybe have t- it been the right one. I'd made you gone for it but um, I was still playing I was still loving my time there um, still love living in the city so I, I didn't really have any urges to, to move um, I did I, eventually I did move because I, I wasn't I was in and out of the team and um, I've you know, when you've only got a short career, you want to play, and I'm not one of those happy to sit on the bench and mm. come on. And you know, I I did a bit of that, but in the end, I, I went and spoke with the with the boss and just said, "I think it's the right time for me to to go here because I'm not playing regularly." And you know, so um, unfortunately, Newcastle they they came in for me. Kevin Keegan had just taken over, and again, I knew what a big club that was. Um, so so re- reluctantly. Um, I signed for them. Um, I had a season and a half there. We won the the old first division championship, so I won another medal there, and, and I had a great time there. So you know, when you know your career at a top club, you know comes to an end, and you know it is time mm-hmm. to move on. So, uh, but you no, know, just looking back and the the great period that we had, then it was um, you know privileged to have been involved in that.
0: It sounds like it's always been quite simple for you. Uh, you, if you're playing, you're happy. If you're competing, if you if you're going out and giving everything, it sounds like that is. Kevin Cheathier at his best um, nothing else really factors into it you know finances moving to different clubs that might be a little bit more prestigious moving to bigger cities that aren't like Liverpool Yeah. for you it was well I'm happy so I'm happy to stay where I am
1: it is I mean I'll give an example if I'd have stayed at Everton for another half a season I'd have had a testimonial um, but the fact was I wasn't playing so money's mm-hmm. never been my god mm-hmm. so it was a case of I had the opportunity to go to Newcastle and I guaranteed not guaranteed but I knew I'd be playing in the team. So I went and uh, it was, it was football-wise, it was a good decision. Financially, probably not the best decision, but, you know, I, I've won another medal here, so you can't put prices on that.
0: Yeah, of course, exactly. You can't buy medals, can no. you? um to, Just to finish off, really, from those scenes in, in the 80s to the sort of struggle of the early 90s and your time coming towards an end at, at the club, you've seen Goodison at its best, probably somewhere near its worst as well in, in those days, I imagine what would you say distinguishes it as a fan base from anywhere else and 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 makes it unique i think it's from the
1: city um it's passed down through the family you're a blue and you're a blue and your parents take you then you get a bit old and you start taking your, your kids and it's just um it's it's everything it's it it's what the uh, the result is everything. Um, you see great players over the years, and you know you see great performances. And you know you stick you stick with your team, and you know sometimes it's not great, um, but you stick with your team because when your team eventually becomes good and great, then you 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 know you you can truly call yourself a supporter. So I think it's just the passion, what the what the the Everton supporters bring is is totally different to to any other supporter. Um, and I think, um, as I said before. They bring the best out of you. Mm. You you don't let rest on your laurels with when you're playing. They they suck every last bit out of you.
0: And I think looking back, that's certainly what I needed to to get the best out of me. And what's your favourite thing about Glouceson? Is there a particular thing about it? Is it is it atmosphere? Is it the the sort of where it is? And a lot of people talk about the location. They have a pre-match routine of you know going to the pub and then walking up to the ground and things like that. What what is it for you? Just actually walking across the pitch.
1: Because it's just, you know, you just have so many fantastic memories of it and, you know, it's sort of, people watch the games from the stands, but they don't actually realise what it's like on pitch side sort of mm-hmm. thing. And a lot of people, when they watch the game from lower down, didn't realise it was that quick and all that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, no, just just, just actually being there, um, seeing good games, seeing us win um, and, and wanting us to win. So it just just... Um, just the, the the overall everything that goes with with, yeah. with playing at Goodison.
0: And Are you sad that we're going to be leaving? I am, I am. Uh, but
1: you know, you've you've got to move on. You, you know, you're looking at a it's it's an old stadium. Um, just hopefully, whoever builds a stadium can recreate the atmosphere that's that's generated there because a, a lot of new stadiums it's it's it doesn't have the sort of say the likes of West Ham when they had the. Uh, mm and the Southampton at the Dell. You know, you can have a bigger stadium, Sunderland, you know, there's no guarantee, but you've got to, like, try and keep the the atmosphere inside the
0: stadium. Brilliant, Kev, thanks so much for your time. No problem, Dave, thank you. When you bundle your renters and auto insurance with Progressive, you could save money, but it doesn't cover any terrible memories living rent-free in your head singing in the shower and then you heard a knock on the wall and then you realized that your bathroom shared a wall with your neighbor's bedroom and all you could do was stand there silently thinking about all the other things they may have heard in the four years you've lived there (sighs) yeah good times sorry we can't save you from that memory but we could save you money bundling your renters and auto insurance with progressive coverage from progressive casualty insurance company affiliates and third-party insurers renters insurance and bundle discount not available in all states or situations sports social podcast network